Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Light rights, and, and it implies in that that we all come from God. All life is a gift from God. That's why it is so despicable to take the life of an unborn child. That child is a gift of God. No matter what the circumstances are or what brought that, God has a plan for the life of that child. And when it is snuffed out, God's plan is in essence thwarted. Uh, every life comes from God. Is every life perfect? No. But every life is a gift from God. That, 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 if I could segue a little bit, we take adoption serious here at, at Grace Baptist Church. We have a fund that you can give to. As far as I, I, my last, uh, I, I could calculate, we had four families that have uh, been involved in that process, some of them in adopting uh, 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 children that, that are very small, others larger children. Um, and it is a recognition of the fact that every life is valuable to God. Every life is a gift from Him. And, and every life is made in the image of God. Now, that means that we all are created with an eternal soul. It means we are all created with a free will that we can choose. Uh, you chose to be in this house this morning, and I'm glad you did. Uh, we, we are created like Him. We can reason. We can think. Uh, and so we need to understand that we are created by God for a purpose for God in the image of God. But adoption is different than creation. When you are adopted, you become a child of the Lord. When you are adopted, you become a part of a bigger family. You become a part of God's eternal family. Uh, and, and, and what we need to understand is that both creation and adoption begin with God. But understand that as an adopted child, you have the right to say that you are not just a creation of God, you are a child of God. And we're going to talk a little bit that, that, with, that with that comes certain privileges. Uh, we need to understand that adoption is a part of the redemptive process. It's a part of God's redemptive process. Look at that fourth verse again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's a marvelous phrase. When the fullness of time had come. It was when Jesus came into this world, it was a unique time and a unique period. Peace all over all the world. One, one, one rule over all the world. And into that, he came. Uh, the fullness of time means that God had done everything he needed to do up to that point. He had called Abraham. He had blessed Israel. He had brought along the prophets. And he had laid the groundwork for Jesus to come. 
And then that day arrived, and he was born, like you and I, of a woman. So he was uniquely human, and he was uniquely God. And that was the fullness of time. And he was sent by God. Uh, I received a, 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 a telegram once. And the, the person that brought it uh, came. It's the only telegram I ever received, and it was a lot, a lot, long time ago. And, and the person, that when we were in Ohio, we lived way out in the country, and there was a knock on the door, and I went to this uh, door, and the fellow, when I opened the door, he said, uh, Western Union has sent me. And I said, oh, they have. He said, yes, they have sent me with a message. And uh, he uh, handed me the message. And then just kind of stood there. I was dumb. I re finally, I realized I was supposed to tip him, you know. Uh, Western Union sent him with a message. God sent his son with a message. And that message is for each and every one of us. It is the same message, but it is uniquely adapted to us. He meets us where we are. He reveals to us that we need him because we're sinful. And he offers us salvation. Uh, so, God sent his son, and he came with a purpose. Look at that fifth verse. To redeem those who were under the law that they might receive the adoption as sons. He came with a redemptive purpose. Now, he did a lot of teaching. He revealed a lot about God. He did a lot of good things. He did a lot of healing, a lot of miracles. But everything he did was leading to that one central moment when on Calvary he died that we might be redeemed from the sin that enslaves us. And so we need to understand that he didn't just sh show up. He showed up with a purpose. Uh, John 3.16, you ought to be able to quote that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And there is redemption in no other person, no other thing, no other way except him. And Calvary made that possible. If you look uh, at verse 4, uh, or 4, 6, and because you are sons, God has sent for this son Hello. into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Calvary makes it possible for us to be adopted by God and become a child of God. It is not because we deserve it. It is because he loves us enough that he sent his son. If you go back in, in, in Galatians to the third chapter, uh, the 13th verse, he says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. He became cursed for us. He took our sentence. It was as if the judge had sentenced us, sentenced us to die and because we were found guilty. And suddenly Jesus steps forth, not as a defense attorney, but as a substitute. And he said, Lord, I'll go in their place. I'll die in their place. And so he did that so that we could be set free. 
and we no longer are slaves to, uh, to sin. Look at the seventh verse. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We'll talk about heir in a little bit. But he said, look, up until this point, you were slaves to sin. Sin overwhelmed you. Uh, it, it, it sometimes snuck up on you. But it was always there, and it was always condemning you and separating you from God. But he says, because of what Christ did, you're no longer a slave. You are a son. Uh, you are a child of God. You're adopted into the family of God. You're not just a creation now. You're a child of the Heavenly Father. And that is all made possible what Christ did on Calvary's cross. So if I were to ask right now, how many in this room are adopted, I would hope that everybody in the room would hold their hand up. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to embarrass you. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you could answer that question and say, yeah, I'm adopted. I've got physical earthly parents, but I'm a son of, or daughter. I'm a child of God because of what he did on Calvary and because I've accepted that and recognized that and it's in my heart. So now what we need to understand this morning is that adoption brings certain privileges. We'll go to Romans for that. Here's what he says in Romans. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. First of all, he says, because we are adopted, we can cry out, Abba. Now, you know, if you've heard of any sermon on the Lord's Prayer at all, that Abba is the most personal way that a Jewish person can refer, refer to God. Uh, Abba uh, is the term daddy. Uh, and so when Jesus taught them to pray in that fashion, he was saying to them, you can have a relationship with God that is unique to you, but it is real and it is personal so much so that you can call him daddy. You can cry out to him and, and call him uh, your heavenly father. Uh, and, and, and he says that, that it is a gift of the Spirit. If you go back to the Galatians passage, passage in the sixth verse, he says, and because you are sons of God, he has sent forth his son, crying into your hearts, Abba, Father. So he has given us the gift of his Spirit that it might dwell within us. Uh, one of the advantages and one of the benefits and one of the blessings of coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is that you never, now hear me here, you never, ever, ever, ever have to be alone again. I don't know about you, have you ever just felt completely, totally alone? Have you ever felt, well, boy, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody understands. Nobody hears me. Nobody loves me. I'm just nothing. If you're an adopted child of the God, uh, you shouldn't feel that way because you're never alone. Amen. He gives us through the power uh, that, that he has the spirit within us. 
And that spirit is what lets us cry out Abba to him. He listens to us because he has indwelled us with his own power, with his redemptive power, with his hope. And that gift of the Spirit sustains us. It brings peace, and it brings a marvelous fruit. Here we go. You ready? Love, joy, patience, peace, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It is just a marvelous life that he pours into a believer. And the problem is, too many Christians don't allow that just to flow freely through their life. And just let him pour the blessings that he wants to pour into us spiritually. That we may be more like him. Uh, adoption brings the promise of victory. Romans 8, 28. Verse you ought to have memorized. He says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Does he say everything's good? No. Uh, there, there are bad days in the life of the Christian. Uh, there are stormy days, depressing days, down days. But somehow God takes the depression and the down days, and out of that, he brings good. I, I had a friend. He loved to ride horses. I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but he loved to ride horses. And uh, on Labor Day weekend, several years ago, he was riding a horse. He was not a Christian. His uh, family prayed for him regularly. He had a sister that was very faithful at our church, and she, she had him on her ongoing list of three that she prayed for salvation. And uh, Labor Day weekend, he was riding his horse, and he got thrown. And the nearest hospital was about 45 miles away, and he told him, I'm in a great deal of pain. I, I'm in a great deal of suffering. I need, I need to go to the hospital. So they took him to the hospital, went in through the emergency room, and he wasn't there long until a doctor came out to his wife and his sister who were there, and he said, boy, I'm glad you brought him in. He said, he has a massive aneurysm in his abdomen, and we don't have time to, I'm not worried about his back right now, he has this aneurysm, and, and we don't have time. You need to sign the papers a nurse is going to bring, and I'm going to go and have surgery right now and deal with that aneurysm. He came out later. He said, to, he said we, we got it taken care of. We got it corrected. He said, but it, it, it's amazing that he's not dead. Saw him later. He accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He said, God threw me off a horse and messed up my back, that he could put me in the hospital, they could find the aneurysm, they could save my life, and in so doing I recognized I needed him. Amen. See, he takes things that are, we see as bad, and he uses them for a greater and gooder. Gooder, is that a word? I think better is a word. Gooder. Hey, I, I'm educated, man. I graduated from the sixth grade <laughs> three times. Do um, you understand what I'm trying to say? And, and so perhaps what we need to do is when we have these negative things in our life, when we have these difficulties, when we're challenged by all these things, we should say, what opportunity is God providing here? 
How can this glorify Him in my life? How can I bring Him the greatest glory of all? Uh, victory over all things. Look at 31, Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Where I grew up, we had one big kid. <laughs> we loved to play basketball. Uh, we had dirt, and we played. But we had a fellow, a kid that moved to our community, and, and while the rest of us were five foot, you know, we're seventh or eighth graders, this kid was in the eighth grade, and he was already 6'4". I think he was related to Will Porter, I think. I really do. But he was a big kid. And we used to choose sides for basketball. Uh, and, of course, whoever got to choose first always choose, chose him. And the truth was, once he was chosen, you knew who was going to win. He could just hold that ball up over his hat, head and nobody could get it, you know. You weren't going to get a rebound. Uh, and uh, it was just assured. Uh, so here's, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it, he guarantees us victory over all things. He says nothing can defeat us. Now, at one point, Jesus said, look, what you need to do is think long-term. You need to think towards the future and understand that the, the trials and troubles and tribulations of this present time are but for an age. The psalmist says, uh, weeping lasts but for a nighttime, but joy comes in the morning. And when we talk about victory over all things, we need to look at the long haul. We need to understand that the victory he's talking about is an eternal victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that nothing, once we belong to him, can separate us from that. Once he adopts us, we are adopted forever. Uh, he does the adopting. He makes us a part of his eternal family. And he keeps us within that family. Uh, my adoption is not based on me being good. It's not based on anything I've done. It is based on the fact that he loves me. And if my salvation is based on the fact that he's loved me, and nothing I've done can bring that salvation in my life, then nothing I can do will take it away. And you say, well, preacher, I've known some pretty despicable people. Well, that's true. But uh, if they're that despicable, they were never saved in the first place because there'd been no change in their life. He, he, he says he guarantees us his presence, and we've talked about that a little bit. If we look at the 35th to the 37th verses of Romans, my old fingers are getting until they can't turn the pages. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? 
As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ our Jesus. I, I, I fought against something when I managed Little League. Uh, when I started, the winning team got a nice trophy. And the team that finished second got a fairly nice trophy. And the team that finished third got a little plaque-like thing. They went to giving a trophy to everybody. Okay? Now, my oldest son, he uh, played in the first era. And uh, I, in my garage at home, I still have all his trophies. And I asked him, uh, can I throw those away? And he said, no, don't throw those away. I, I want to keep those. Uh, I, I want you to keep those. You see, they were valuable to him. My youngest son, by the time he came along, everybody got a trophy. They called it a participation trophy. Don't want any kid to feel left out. Don't want any kid to feel bad. Uh, and I found his trophies, and I said, what do you want to do with them? And he said, well, you can throw them away. I don't, I don't want them. Didn't, they don't mean anything to him. Uh, listen, the Scripture, when he talks about this, uh, he, he talks about us being more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And it is a reward in the sense that he blesses us and gives us the ability to face the difficulties and troubles of life. And we should treasure that. Not everybody gets it. Okay? Not everybody gets a participation trophy and a pass into heaven. God doesn't stand, sit there on his throne and they come to heaven and they say, well, listen, you were a rotten scoundrel, uh, but I'm going to let you in anyway. Come on into heaven. If he did that, number one, he wouldn't be holy. And number two, he wouldn't be just. And number three, he would not be truly merciful. He doesn't give participation trophies. He gives eternal life to those who believe and trust in him. And, and because of that, uh, he gives us the power of his presence and that makes us more than conquerors. It says, who shall separate us from the love of God? And then he goes in that long list. And, and I, I've looked at that list many times, as I'm sure you have. I can't find anything that's not in there. Uh, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, uh, any other created thing. He said, when, God, when you're in the midst of God's love, nothing's going to separate you from that love of God. Remember David. I, I go to him so often. After his sin with Bathsheba, when it was revealed to him, what did he say to God? Rejo restore to me the joy of my salvation. He didn't say, save me again. He didn't say, Lord, uh, restore my salvation. He said, Lord, bring back the joy that goes with my salvation. And being conquerors 
means we live in that joy of knowing that we know that we know that he has adopted us and nothing can ever change that. We belong to him now and forever. The scripture says even we're going to have a special name when we get to heaven. Uh, I don't know. Uh, But we'll all still know each other and we'll be a part of God's family in the greatest, greater sense. Uh, so he has given us the promise of victory in all things, over all things, and the power of his presence. But hear me now. He also has given us an inheritance, and I want you to catch this. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. That means the things that Christ receives as the Son of God will come into the life of the believer either here or in eternity. All right? Joint heirs with Jesus. Not Jesus here and us here. We are fully adopted. Uh, I'm told under Roman law in Jesus' day... uh, when you were adopted, they couldn't, there was never a way that they could disinherit you from what the Father would leave in his estate. Join heirs with Jesus. And, but catch what that means. If indeed we suffer with him. In every believer's life, there's suffering. For some, it's physical. Some, it's emotional. For some, it's the suffering of following Jesus Christ. I had the privilege of being in China a few years ago. I was in a room with eight deaf Chinese pastors. They were working on putting the Bible in sign language. And the Mark Sauter, my good friend who's been with us many times, uh, he said, Ray, I want you to talk to him a little bit through the interpreter. And he said, I want you to ask him uh, a question. And he gave me that question. And uh, I was not surprised by it because I knew their situation. He said, so through the interpreters I talked to them, I asked them, how many of you have ever been in jail because of your belief in Jesus Christ? Stand up. All eight stood up. Then I asked him the second question, how long? One fellow had been in jail for almost 36 months because he believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He doesn't promise us a life that is easy. What does he say? Take up your cross and follow me. But I'm persuaded that the sufferings and the difficulties of this lifetime are but for a season and an eternity will celebrate those sufferings because they serve a purpose for Jesus Christ. 
part of the inheritance is understanding. There may be times where it's hard to stand and witness for Jesus Christ. I think more difficult times are coming. And we need to understand it's a part of our inheritance. But the other part of the inheritance, he says, we may also be glorified together. Glorified together. Writer Hebrews says that Jesus Christ suffered upon the cross and then he ascended and he is seated to the right hand of God in glory forever and ever. He's there in a new and glorious eternal body. Uh, when I do a funeral, as we go to the graveside, I always try to point out that this is just a temporary home from the body, that the Spirit's gone be with God. And then one day God's going to return, and that body is going to be raised in a new and glorious state like the one that Jesus had. And then we're going to dwell in a place created for the sons and daughters of God. John says that Jesus told us, he said, in my place where I will bring you, there are many mansions, and they're prepared just for you, that where I am, you may be also. And do not be disheartened, because if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come for you. you know, Book of Revelation tells us that there's no sea. Uh, sea is symbolic of sin and death, but only glory. No pain, no, no more suffering. I, I can't even begin to describe it to you. The Scripture says it's so marvelous that it is beyond man's understanding till you get there. And then when you come into that place, you'll go, my, I never imagined it could be like this. And the most glorious thing is free and complete access to God in His natural realm where He reigns, where there's no sin, no death, no sorrow, no suffering, but only glory. Somebody asked me once, says, is every day in heaven the same? I said, I don't know. They said, well, what do we do in heaven? I said, well, we praise God and we glorify God. And they said, well, wouldn't, if it's all like that, wouldn't it get boring? I said, I don't know when we've been there about 20,000 years. Ask me if I'm bored. <laughs> uh, we got to do one more thing. And we have to talk about the that adoption is a result of faith. Go back to Galatians 3. Uh, Paul is writing to that church and he says, uh, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know therefore that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. 
He said, look, all this adoption process flows into the life of the person who has faith that God will adopt them, who believes that Christ died on the cross for their sins, who believes that God offers that redemptive purpose to the life of all who will receive it. Was Abraham a great man? Yeah, he really was. What was special about Abraham? When God said, get up, go to a land that I'll show you, leave everything you know behind, follow me, and I'll give you the details as we go along. And Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Abraham believed him. Believed him. So much so that he even went to the point where he was ready to sacrifice his own son because God had asked him to. So much so that when he and his son went to go up on the mountain, his son said, Dad, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, we've got the knife, where's the lamb? And he said to his son, God will provide a lamb. In other words, he's saying, God's asked me to do this, but I still believe that my descendants will be as multiple, the sands of the sea, the stars of the sky. And here he is ready to offer his only son. How can that be? He didn't ask how that can be. He believed that could be because God said it. And, and what he, Paul's saying to the Galatians here is, listen, we, we are adopted into God's family because we believe God adopted us. Because we believe Christ died on the cross for our sins. Because we believe we have been redeemed. Faith is not a work. Faith is faith. It is taking God at his word and believing what he says. And all those who do that receive that spirit of adoption. And we move from being a creation of God to being a child of God. World of difference between being a creation and being a child. Now, if I were to ask you right now, if you're adopted, could you hold your hand up? Don't do, you don't have to do that, but <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. If you can't, on this Father's Day, say, I know that I had an earthly father, but I know I've been adopted by a heavenly father. We're going to sing an invitation to him, and I invite you to come. It's a simple process. You just admit you're a sinner. We all are. You say, I have faith. I believe that Christ died for me. And I confess him as Lord. And boom, adoption papers are signed in heaven, sealed in blood, and eternity is assured that you're a child of the King. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.